last week, discipleship. And today we're going to finish this time talking about the importance of fellowship. And so that means some, some engagement and some time spent together. Now, we did this on Wednesday or Thursday night. That's a great effect, and I'm hoping we can have similarly good uh, opportunity here together right now. But to do that, I need to start by asking you to think about a prayer request that you feel comfortable sharing. It doesn't have to be a deeply personal thing, but something you feel comfortable sharing. And as a, as a, as a way of helping you get some ideas... There are three I'm going to throw out that you are more than welcome to use. No one will look down on you if you use them. They're actually all really good prayer requests. So some of you, you may choose to say, I want to have you pray. Jesus once said, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And right now with the war in Gaza, that's a good thing to pray for. So maybe you'll say, I want to have you pray for the peace of Jerusalem. The holidays are an especially difficult time for people who have had a loss in their family. And so this is a good time to pray for those families uh, who have had a loss. And so maybe the thing you'll say you want to pray for is, you know, pray for some of our families that have lost a a child or a loved one or a husband or a spouse. Pray for them. I want to be praying for them through the holidays. And the last one is a very honest one, and I think we could all say it. And that is to ask someone just to say, hey, pray that I'll get closer to the Lord. I'm trying to grow closer to God. Now, you can choose any of those three, or if you're really creative, you can take the next 30 seconds of silence, and you can think up your own. You have 30 seconds to think of something now. Okay, if you have the card and a name tag, and the person you talk to has a name tag, this will be easy. When you see that person, you're just going to say, introduce yourself to the person, and I'll tell you who in a minute. You'll say, hi, my name is, and if you don't have a name tag, that's fine too, you, you real rebels who didn't want to wear one, that's okay. Now you just have to say it out loud, hi, my name is Bill, or whatever it is. I mean, don't say Bill if your name's Cindy, but whatever it is, right, you name your name. And then you're going to say, the thing I want to pray for is this. And then you patiently listen while the other person tells you, hi, my name is whatever it is, and what they want to pray for. And to make this easy on you, to start with, I just want you to try to find somebody who's within a close proximity of you to say this with. So it can be the person right beside you in the pew, right in front of you, right behind you. But find someone to share with. You each have one minute. So you have two minutes for this part. Find someone to share this with. Again, someone close by. It could even be the person who you came with today. It's okay. Go. You write their name down, write their request, say who they are.
giving, go ahead and write down their name, their request, so you can keep track of that. All right, the easiest part of the day is over. Now I'm going to challenge you a little bit more. All right, here's what needs to happen now. You can kind of still stay in your section, but I need everybody to get up and then try to find someone who you don't know as well, who's in your section. So that side of the building, you stay in your section, stay in your section, work together in your section, go. Okay, let's go ahead and jot down their names and their requests. Stay up on your feet, because this is where bedlam breaks out. If you're on this side, try to talk to somebody on that side somewhere in the middle. If you're on that side, talk to somebody on this side, but make sure everyone gets someone to talk to. Go. Bedlam. I love it. Um, I do have a prayer request. I was going to tell you anyway. Yeah. I don't know if you remember
Start making your way back towards your area. Jot your information down. The good news is I didn't see anyone run out of the building, so if you were offended, thank you for not running out and having a big issue with it at all. I know some people just are not into that kind of stuff, but others here, this was like one of the most glorious Sundays we've ever had. So for those of you that that's you, that's a good thing. All right, so we're talking about fellowship, and what we just experienced is actually kind of a neat thing. Like, that's really kind of what the church really should be, right? We should be able to talk with each other and share things that we have going on. The fact that we feel uncomfortable with that might say something about uh, the need for the church to be more engaged in fellowship. We really aren't meant to be alone. That was never God's plan uh, for us to be isolated. In fact, he said from the very beginning, as soon as he made Adam, he said, oh, it's not good for these people to be alone. We can't do that. They need each other. And so God's plan has always been that fellowship would be a part of the faithful uh, community. It would be a part that, of, of that relationship that we have. So we're going to think about this idea of fellowship for a few minutes this morning. And I, I want to start by, we, we already heard about one Greek word, so I'm going to throw another one out there, this word koinonia. It's the word that means fellowship. It, it has this, this it's, its meaning really is to have in common. And that's the core part, to be in common, to share our life together. It has a word picture that's interesting. The word picture for this uh, Greek word is actually of a Roman ship. And the Roman ships had this really unique way of powering themselves. They had people in the bottom of the ship whose hands were on the oars. And they would keep time, and all these under rowers would row the ship to get it momentum, to give it energy. And the word for koinonia is kind of like that, that picture of, of, of under rowing. That is, everyone has their hands on the oars, and we're all striving together uh, to get to this place we're trying to go. And that's really the image for what the church can be and what fellowship can be, is we're striving together to try to get momentum and get where we need to go. And obviously, one person could not make the ship move. But everyone in that ship and the under are working together. They had tremendous velocity and force, and they could make the ships move at great speed. Well, let's talk about fellowship for a few minutes today. And I want you to understand something about fellowship, and that is that the first thing I want you to get is that fellowship builds faith. When we gather together, it actually increases the faith that we have in God uh, because we see how God is moving the lives of each other. Listen to how the church starts. The church has just begun in Acts chapter 2, and right away there are some things they start to do. We read this in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. Listen to the amount of fellowship they have, community they have, time spent together. Listen to how it goes. It says, they, that is these new Christians, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to doing and listening to what the apostles had to say, what we would read in the scripture. They devoted themselves to fellowship. Like right away, the beginning of the church, they said, what God says is it matters, and how we take care of each other matters. Like, it's really important. They devoted themselves to that. Fellowship and taking care of each other and living the Christian life together was super important to them. It says they also committed themselves or devoted themselves to the breaking of bread, both to Holy Communion, but also to sharing a meal together, having a common meal, and to prayer. 
which is why we had prayer requests, what being what we shared this morning. Because we really should be praying for each other. And we should lift up the needs of one another. Now when they did that, it says in verse 43, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And I just want to say this. Now picture yourself seven days from now, because your commitment is, I gave you this card, and you've written down these prayer requests, and our challenge is that for every day of the next week, you're going to pray for that person and for their request. If you'll do that, two things will occur next week. One, you'll remember their name when you come to church next week. You're going to know who they are. You'll remember them. So you'll say, hey, I've been praying about whatever it was. And here's the second thing, and this is going to blow your mind. Next week when you come, some of the things you prayed for, God will have already answered. So some of you are going to say, I've been praying for you all week. How did it go? And the person's going to say, you're not going to believe this. But this is how this has turned out. And God moved. And you're going to be greatly encouraged by that. And I'm not going to make you do this next week, but just imagine if I had like, Four or five of you stand up and share, hey, this is what God did in answer to our prayer in just seven days. We would all be greatly encouraged by that. Well, that's how it was for them. They were together, and they were impressed, and they were amazed at the things God was doing. So they were all filled with awe, it says. And many wonders and signs were performed by the apostles. All the believers were together. They had everything in common. They even sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Like they got to know each other, and someone said, you know, boy, we're really hurting right now. And their brother or sister in Christ said, hey, no problem. God's really blessed us. Let's work together, and I'll help you out. It was amazing. They were sharing lives together like they were a family, like they belonged together, how the church is supposed to be. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They praised God, and they enjoyed the favor of the people. And the Lord kept adding daily to the number of those who were being saved. A little bit later in Acts 4, it says, All believers were one in heart and mind. In fact, no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. <laughs> they just took care of each other. Fellowship does that. It builds faith. It encourages us. Fellowship also encourages us towards good deeds. It encourages us toward good works. It encourages Good ministry to happen. I want to call your attention to another passage of Scripture, Hebrews chapter 10. It's a chapter before that big Hebrews 11, all the great heroes of the faith. It's a chapter before that, and it kind of says, if we're going to have great heroes in the faith, this is how they're formed. And what's amazing about this passage, and what I want to call your attention to, is that very few of the pronouns here are singular. They're all plural all the things he's going to talk about that lead to great heroes in the faith come out of community. These things that we do together matter. So listen to what he says, and listen for the plural pronouns as we go through here. Listen for, for those kinds of words of, of like we and are and us. Listen for that as we go along. Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened up for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us, all of us, draw near to God 
with a sincere heart and full assurance that faith, in the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and our, having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. For he who promised is faithful. So get this next line. Exclamation point. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. I like that line. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. We need that. We need someone who encourages us to do the right thing, to do the best thing, to encourage us in our struggle. We need that. And, and, and you are supposed to help provide that for this, this person, and they are supposed to provide that for you. And together, the church is spurred on towards love and toward good works. It's an amazing thing when it works as God designed it, and it's what we're called to do. There's something else about fellowship that I want you to gather. When we live our lives together in this way, and we are encouraging each other, we're praying for each other, something else starts to come into play. Accountability. We kind of get accountable, because if I, if I say to you, hey, you know what, I've been struggling with, uh, <clears throat> with my speech, and uh, at work I find myself slipping into saying, if I said something like that to you about life in the factory, and the next week you saw me, and I told you that, you could say to me, right, you could say, hey, Last week you shared you were struggling with your words. How'd it go this week? And if, I'm, if the person's honest, I'll say, well, you know, it was a lot better. Or, boy, I really blew it. You've got to pray even harder this week, right? You've got to really help me through that. But the idea here is that we kind of build some accountability together. Where you have a right to ask me some things, and I have a right to ask you some things to help make sure that we're doing what we're called to do and being who we're called to be and reflecting Jesus in our speech and our actions. The proverb writer saw it this way described it as sharpening each other. It says as iron, Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. So there's a part of us that says, hey, let's, let's get better. Let's not just be, cons- you know, this is a, for all Christians, right? We can't be content to just stay where we are. I'm good enough. It's not about that. It's about seeing how can I become more like Jesus, Where can I grow? Where can I improve? What needs to change in me? Fellowship builds accountability. A couple more things. Fellowship builds unity. You know, Jesus was about to go to the cross, and he prayed a very powerful prayer. And his prayer was, Lord, let the people be one like you and I are one. Jesus felt like unity was really important. Sharing our lives together and and being a single body that works together with many different parts was important to his plan. So he called for unity, and and David sees that fellowship promotes unity. Listen to what David writes in Psalm 133, verse 1. He said, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. 
striving together. When we're sharing things and we're helping each other and we're praying for each other, we become connected to each other. Even people who don't look like us or talk like us or act like us. I saw a beautiful thing happen. We had a teenager come forward. Colton Brooks gave his life to Jesus on Thursday night. He's a teenager, uh, a young man, in a, in a room of people of all ages. But a beautiful thing happened after his baptism. He came back out here uh, to see everyone, and those 40 people who were there tonight, they're cheering for him. They're so excited. Like, I mean, you can see Colton, he was totally shocked. Like, this is how you expect to, to be uh, applauded if you hit the winning shot at the end of the game. But all of a sudden, he realized, like, this whole church family, they care about me. They're encouraging me. They're with me in the things that are in front of me. That's pretty awesome. I mean, I want that for all of us when we come to faith. It's a beautiful thing. Fellowship builds a, a unity. It, it does so many other things, and there's so many things that can only happen inside the bonds of shared life together. Fellowship. Working together for the common goals of Jesus Christ. I'm not going to read all, I'm not going to make you read all of these on the screen, but I'm going to quickly run through some one another passages of the Bible because I want you to hear how frequently this fellowship working together, the phrase one another shows up dozens of times across the New Testament. I'm not going to read them all, but just here are some of the one another passages. Things that we're supposed to be doing with and for one another. Things like this. 1 John 3.11, for this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Romans 15, 14. I myself am convinced, brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge, and you are competent to instruct one another. 1 Thessalonians 5, 11. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you're doing. Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ forgave you. Or Ephesians 4.2, be completely humble, be gentle, be patient, and bear with one another in love. This next one's hard for us to do, and it involves a deeper level of fellowship, someone that we can trust with things that are deeply personal to us. But listen to this one. James 5.16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The Bible has a lot of things to say about fellowship Perhaps Paul says it most eloquently and summarizes this idea of fellowship up the best in the opening verses of chapter 2 in the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Listen to these words of Paul in the context of the church being about fellowship. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness or compassion, then make my joy complete 
by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind, doing nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, valuing others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of the others. Fellowship matters. The church can't just be about fellowship. That can't be the only thing we do. That would, that would not be a healthy church if all we did was just spend time together and we never engaged the world in evangelism. Or That means that would be a problem. But fellowship is important because fellowship, friends, is a taste of heaven. Well, we're still on earth. What do you think happens in heaven? <laughs> fellowship is, is one of the key components of heaven. We gather at a banqueting table. We share the stories of our lives together and the difference that God made. Fellowship, when we do things like we were just doing and we're all centered on Christ and helping each other, that's a big foretaste of heaven. It's special. You should have heard yourselves today. Virgil can attest to this. When we started, and you had to tell the person kind of in your row, you're real quiet and sheepish today. It's like whispering. And then when I let you move around a little bit, it got a little bit like, man, there that thing at the end, it was loud in here. Like you were all, and you got excited. And if I could have given you more time, you would have gotten even more excited because you, you had people who genuinely cared about you. They wanted to hear what you had to say. And then you had a chance to hear what they had to say. And we like being heard. And we like knowing that people care about us. It was awesome. Well, that's heaven. Fellowship has the opportunity to encourage us because it gives us a taste of things to come. It also changes lives. I don't know the name of the little church in Chapmanville, West Virginia. I'm a beneficiary of one of the elders there of something that he did. I... I reap a tremendous benefit from someone I've never met, but who was committed to fellowship. Now, one of the things we, we think about fellowship, it's easy for us to talk to people who are like us. It's not so easy when there's like generations of difference between us or difference of understanding. But in Chapmanville, West Virginia, many decades ago, there was an elder in a church, a little church in a little coal mining town of West Virginia, who decided that he should get involved in fellowship with encouraging and involving himself in the lives of the young men in his church. There were three of them, three boys, all of them in high school. And that man decided to start having a Bible study most every week. He'd open his home and his Bible, and he would just read and talk about life with three teenage boys. That's what he did. How I became a beneficiary of him and how Many people are beneficiary of that man's work, as all three of those boys went on to be ministers. One of them, Howard Brammer. He led, for many years, this huge megachurch, what became that at Traders Point Christian Church in Indianapolis. Howard took them from a very small church to a very large church. Traders Point, a very influential church in the country now. Howard did great work. Another person is well-known to some of you here at Ogleville, Doran Chambers. Doran Chambers came from that group. He was a preacher here for many years, had the longest, uh, pastored tenure, uh, longest tenured pastor well, until yours truly got here, and you have had a hard time getting rid of me, but that's another story. 
And Doran led many people in this room to Jesus. You, some of you have received a blessing. You're a beneficiary of fellowship of someone who decided to engage in the lives of these young men. Of course, for me personally, there's a third person. He preached at a pretty small church at Bex Grove, my father-in-law, Bob Casey. And he was the third young man to be a preacher. And I've received many benefits personally from my father-in-law, who's now gone on. The point I want to share is that it's worth investing in the lives of our brothers and sisters in Christ. It makes a difference. And you can never tell how big the difference will be. I'm pretty certain that the elder had no aspiration or idea that thousands of people would come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior because he opened his house to read the Bible to some boys. I bet he, he never even fully saw, I suspect, what would happen from all that. But it happened. Because he wasn't afraid to invest himself in the lives of those who were around him. Well, what would God do through us if we similarly said, you know what? I'm not going to be an island. I'm not content to just go worship God by myself in the woods anymore. I'm not content to just have worship only be something I do in isolation or study be something I do in isolation. I, I want to be a part of fellowship. I want to pray for other people and I want other people praying for me. I want to encourage other people and I want other people encouraging me. I want to love other people and other people loving me. I want to help other people and if I need it, I want people to help me. Fellowship. We need it. Now there are some probably here today who have never taken a step of fellowship they need to take. The most important relationship we have is not the one we have with other people in this room. That's a secondary relationship. The most important relationship we have is the fellowship we have with God and through Christ. That's the most important relationship we have. And if you haven't tended to that one, if you haven't made him your Lord and Savior yet, you need to do that. Because when this relationship gets right, it's amazing how these other relationships start to get right. But when this one's wrong you're going to find a lot of anxiety in all the other relationships around you. So if you're not a Christian, let this be the day you accept him as your Lord and Savior. Come forward, make a confession of faith like Colton did, and be baptized into Christ. If you are a Christian, but things aren't where they need to be, fix that relationship today. He tells us if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness. Let God work on this one. And you'll be amazed what happens with all these that are around you. Whatever decision you need to make, would you make it as we stand and we sing our hymn of invitation? Yeah.